Welcome to Pirate Talk Radio. In this podcast, I discuss everything Sea of Thieves, from lore to PvP, to even what fish you can catch for the hunter's call. Please sit back, relax, and join me on this adventure. Welcome back to another episode of Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 31, and I appreciate everyone's patience uh, for the past couple weeks, as I haven't been around. Uh, Pirate Talk Radio hasn't had an episode in a couple weeks, and I apologize for that, but let me tell you what's been going on and why. So every year around this time, around the, the, the month of May, um, now again, last year it didn't happen because, well, global pandemic but now that uh rules and on the pandemic are starting to lighten a little bit as far as gatherings and things i was uh, i got a telephone call and for some of you or for many of you who have been watching my content watching my streams following me on social media understand that for the past 21 years in some way shape or form i have been part of um the live music theater production um just lighting and sound production in general and um, with that, uh, every year since 2000, I've been part of an organization or a group um, at my old hometown local high school. And once I graduated, um, the director um, was, a, was a teacher that uh, made a huge impact on my life. Not as far as music. I was by far and still uh, not the greatest uh, musician. Never really put the effort and the time in that I should. Um, but a good teacher uh, will always teach you things that are um, more important than the subject matter. Respect, responsibility, determination, dedication, hard work, work ethic, etc. like that. And um, th this teacher was someone who, of all the teachers that I had throughout school, throughout college, really put the biggest impact on my life. And because of that, um, every year I volunteer um, and go back, uh, travel back to my hometown and stay there for a couple weeks. And, uh, during that time I design, um, I bring in and I set up a large scale lighting rig, um, to put on a concert there, um, at my local high school. Um, and many of you might say, oh, it's a, it's a high school. Well, if you've, uh, if you followed my social media and you've seen some of uh, the pictures that I post, or if you're subscribed or follow my YouTube, Davram TV on YouTube, um, you can check out some of the past year's concerts, um, some videos of past year's concerts. And I assure you, if you watch these, you'll understand that this is not just any high school band, um, right? This is, a, this is a group that's traveled all over the United States and has even traveled to Russia um, to perform for uh, large-scale conferences. Uh, they performed for the government of Russia in 95, um, and just, they've been invited all over the place and usually every other year, um, have the opportunity to play with a nationally touring drummer, someone from yes, or, or we've played with Michael Jackson's drummer, or we've played with, the uh, uh, let's see here, the tonight show drummer. And, you know, every other year, a new drummer usually gets brought in and, and they have the opportunity to play. So it's, it's not your typical high school band concert. It's much more than that. And it's because of this director and the time he has put in to build a culture of excellence in this school and to uh, create um, this great uh, program that they have uh, that plays anything from uh, classic percussion ensemble music to the 1812 Overture all the way to this year. They played stuff from the Jonas Brothers, uh, Genesis, Yes, Sticks, and other groups like that. So um, it's a lot of work. And being that production isn't something that just anyone can come in and just start plugging stuff in, right? It's not really, and, and I don't mean to sound like I'm belittling DJs, right? I DJed for many, many years. Um, but it's not just as simple as plugging in something and, and pushing a button to turn a light on, right? Um, to, pr to, 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 to put these large-scale performances on, you've got to bring in steel and piping and truss and hang things um, and, and hang these lights, which, you know, weigh 
when you put the whole rig together, thousands of pounds, and you have to make sure it's all safe. And then on top of that, once you have that all that hung, you have to make sure it's powered properly, right? You don't want anything to short out or anything like that. And then you've got programming. Um, you've got to program all those lights to move when you want them to move and where you want them to move and look the way they want with the color and the shape and everything. It's a lot of work. Um, so that's where I've been the past couple of weeks. And, and because, like I said, the, the director has made such a impact on my life um, in, in making me the successful business person I am and, and who I am today, um, I always give back and I donate a few weeks of my time. Do I have the time with um, trying to do, obviously, content creation, obviously my, my full-time normal job? Do I have the time for this? Absolutely not. But um, if anyone has followed me for a long time, I, I very much believe in giving back to your community. Um, I very much believe in, in charity and things like that. And, and I will continue uh, to go back to my hometown and give back to my community in this way um, every single year. And, and I hope um, that many of you out there can find some sort of inspiration in this story and can get out there and help your local communities or going back and helping your hometown communities um, be a better place and, and really spark the light of things in, in, in the younger generation and show them that, you know, we're not all just get off my lawn, old grumpy people. We actually do care about them. We care about their, their, their future. And we want to make sure that they specifically, you know, for me, the seniors, that they feel that last moment of rock starness before they go on to their future endeavors. May it be music or may it be something else. Um, but I want them to make sure that they have two concerts um, where they really feel special and that all the attention is on them um, and their hard work. But during that time, we've had a lot of stuff go on in Sea of Thieves, and that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get on to the Sea of Thieves talk. Now, I did take my laptop with me in my travel, and I did get to play a very, very little amount. Uh, so when I got back, I took last week to kind of catch up on the game, kind of see what's going on, catch up on some YouTube, catch up on some Twitch, just to kind of see and get the feel of the community, uh, the content creators, um, you know, browse the Reddit for a while, uh, and even listened uh, to the official Sea of Thieves podcast. Uh, which was released last week. And if you haven't subscribed to that on YouTube or any of the podcasting apps, I strongly suggest you do so because it really does give you an inside look of how Rare is looking at and listening to the community and, and directions they're taking the game. And we're going to dive into that podcast here in a little bit. Um, but I did want to take the time now that I got back from um, my volunteer work to to catch up. So the, the, this episode is not just some boring thing of, me stumbling around uh, not knowing what I'm talking about in the game just to put out an episode. I wanted to make sure that I did some research and, and actually got some hands-on experience so I could speak to um, what's currently going on. So let me just start with what my observations were um, through the social media platforms, through the Reddit, um, through all these different um, um platforms what some of the highlights or some of the big things that that I saw were were kind of really being talked about in the community the first one is this huge uh kind of drama going on right now uh, and I have some thoughts on it uh and rare in a way did as well um they didn't really talk too much about it but they definitely said they were aware of it and that's the the idea of spawn camping um now this has been really, really getting them a lot of attention um, across the social media pages. And I know if you've been playing Sea of Thieves for any um, uh, significant period of time, you have been spawn camped before. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Um, now for me, um, if, I, if I'm ever in a situation where I can see that the other crew is not doing anything but spawn camping me, um, they're not in the process of sinking my ship, right? They're just, they, they haven't set it on fire. They haven't put cannon holes in it. They're literally just there shooting me. I don't know if their ship's really far away. If they, I, I don't know. Um, maybe they, they, they all fired off of a galleon and they're on my sloop and they're just, they, no one went back to get the galleon. In those situations where I can clearly see that there is no intention of sinking my ship in any reasonable amount of time, I'll use the tool that Rare gives me and scuttle the ship, right? 
If it's a situation where it is a battle and they are actively in the process of sinking me, I will keep coming back and I will keep trying to fight as long as I can. Um, and that kind of, for me, is the two, the two sides of quote-unquote spawn camping, right? One, I don't necessarily consider spawn camping. Um, though, obviously, there are specific spots that you will spawn on your ship when you come back through the Ferry of the Damned. And if you know those spots, you know, you're going to sit there and aim your gun or your sword or whatever you have right at that spot. So when the player comes back in, you can immediately kill them before they have any, you know, it's the, it's the fastest way to lock down a ship and, 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 and get it sunk. With the flip side of that is you shouldn't be getting on a ship with, with either an intention to sink them a year from now because you don't know how to get your ship back or you don't have any firebombs or whatever the case may be, and you're just sitting there trying to figure out how am I going to sink this ship, and I'm just going to kill them over and over and over again. Or even worse, I just want to kill people, and so I'm just going to get on their ship and lock them down. That's that's the toxic, inappropriate way of, of doing this. The appropriate way is sink the ship, right? Kill the players, keep them dead, sink the ship, right? That's, that's the appropriate way of doing this. But this has dr driven a lot of drama and a lot of reports, and I'm sure that the Rare Customer Service team has received a lot of reports on spawn camping based on some of the things that I've seen um, in social media. So where I stand on this topic is spawn camping is okay if it is being done in the process of sinking a ship. Yes, you may bucket them a few times before they sink to steal their supplies. That's fine. That's okay, in my opinion. But when it goes past that, and when you're not in the process of sinking their ship, and you're just killing them to kill them, or killing them to wait until your boat gets back because you failed to properly um, steer your ship or have someone on your boat who can properly adjust things in order to have a proper uh, naval battle, and you are just an idiot who just might be good at, uh, at, at you know, actual PvP on a boat, then no. You don't spawn camp. You don't have that. You, you have the ability. You don't have the right, in my opinion, right? This game is naval first. Um, you know, it's, it's a ship game. It's naval first and then player versus player in pirate versus pirate form. So if you're some moron out there in, in naval combat and you can't seem to figure out how to naval a ship, and your only option is to sit there and spawn camp them because you let your ship sail off into some random direction and you have no plan or you can't figure out how to sink a ship um, without a boat or a keg, well, you should probably study and figure out how to sink a boat because there's multiple ways to sink a boat when you don't have a ship or a keg to do so. If you're in the process of sinking a ship, go ahead and continue to kill them. But if you're not in the process of sinking their ship, just, just go away because you are not doing anything productive, you might be having fun, but it's at the expense of someone else's fun. And sure, some people might say, but Davram, killing someone in the process of sinking their ship, well, maybe they're a player who just wants to go out there and do gold hoarder vaults and they don't want to deal with you killing them. Well, there's a difference there and it's a fine line difference. The difference is this is a PVP game. You're going to have PVP out on the seas. If you're not prepared for it, then you're going to lose your stuff and you can't get mad over it. But you can get mad over someone being toxic and just sitting there camping you and wasting your time. My suggestion, like I do, is just scuttle your ship. If you respawn back in and see that that crew has no intention of sinking you, scuttle your ship. Just do it. It's not worth your time and effort to sit there and give... <clears throat> They're small epines, a stroke, just because you <clears throat> want to keep coming back. You know, just just scuttle your ship, just ruin their fun, and get back to your fun. So that's the drama going on, and I, and like I said, the the Sea of Thieves team did touch on this on the podcast, but we'll get to my thoughts on the podcast um, here here in a little bit. <clears throat> the next one is extensive bugs and exploits. <clears throat> So there are a few things that are considered by Rare to be exploits, but haven't been fixed in ever. Um, and maybe some of you out there don't even realize that they are exploits. 
um, but but Rare has kind of came to the acceptance of some, but are aware of them um, and could easily take some effort and fix them if they wanted to um, or if they get out of, out of hand. But um, a few that have been talked about um, in, in the past month or so is the double X feature. <clears throat> now, this feature on a keyboard um, is a feature that gives a slight advantage um, to a player who can execute it properly. Um, and it can be used on a variety of different weapons and tools and equipment and things like that. For example, if you're shoveling and you put your shovel in the ground and you double exit <clears throat> as it finishes its, its turn up before it resets in your hand, if you double exit, you can, it will glitch out for a second and it's ready to dig again. So you dig, double X, dig, double X, and you can dig faster than someone who's just diggy diggy holing as the game intended. You can dig faster. You can also utilize this double X feature on the bucket. Um, if you are bucketing and you go to, you know, take your bucket full of water out of your ship or wherever and throw it out the window, if you start the bucket process and hit double X, instead of a full bucket motion, your character will just flick his wrist and the bucket will be full of water. And then when you throw the bucket, the same thing, you click to throw double X, it'll throw the water and flick its wrist and he's ready to bucket again. Now, what this allows you to do and what it's often referred to is speed bucketing. And it is a feature that in some competitive um, tournaments out there is a, is in, is a, disqualification offense if you're seen to have done it. Um, but in general, it is a feature in the game. It's an exploit in the game that Rare has admitted that it's an exploit, but they haven't went about fixing it. And the double X for the bucket and the shovel have just become accepted um, in the in the gaming in, in the gaming of Sea of Thieves. And you just do it if you're good enough to do it. Loot sprinting. When you drop the piece of loot uh, sprint, pick up the loot, drop the loot, sprint, pick up the loot, and you're running with loot, basically. Another exploit. However, not fixed. The double X also helps you. Now, a double X is not part of the loot sprint. That is a key combination that my old and broken up hands aren't able to do. Um, but the, but that is not double X by any means. Um, the other part, though, that double X plays into in, uh, is pvp and the guns so if you fire a shot you can double x and it'll actually change the animation of the reload and make your reload faster so if you're a standard player who just fires in the game reloads and you fire in the game reload if you're going one-on-one -on -one versus someone who does the x cancel on their shot they shoot X cancel and then they're going to have a bullet in the chamber and firing back at you before you can reload, which again gives them a disadvantage because they're going to be able to get two shots off before you can. And in general, if you haven't been playing CFDs for very long, two shots are going to kill you regardless of the weapon, unless you're blunder sniping. Don't do that. I've seen way too much blunder sniping in the past week. It's just disgusting. Disgusting. But these are exploits. Rare themselves have, has admitted that they're exploits. And they're just, they haven't fixed it because they're not seeing it as, as game-breaking or as big of an issue um, as other things. Again, you know, people have been doing these things for a very long time. Uh, and it just kind of feels like Rare is accepting it as part of the game. Do I think that eventually they will do something about it? Sure. But they have a lot of other things that they're working on right now. And these, in my opinion, are not necessarily uh, game-breaking. Um, sure, does it give you an advantage over an Xbox player who uses a controller? Absolutely, it does. But there you go. That's just unfortunately how it is. I've met a lot of players who are on Xbox. And I've met a lot of players who play on PC with a controller. And they can kick the shit out of people who have really awesome computers. So, is it really that big of an advantage? I don't know. Um, I've definitely seen some controller folks just absolutely dominate the seas um, in a way that 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 other people can't. So, we'll see if Rare ever addresses those. But those those are some exploits. Now let's talk about some bugs. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And some of these bugs are kind of gross. They're kind of gross. 
So one of them is when you board a ship, um, as you're peeking the top of the ladder, um, your camera can get locked in a 90 to 180 degree um, turn from where it's supposed to be. So if you're staring and the ship is a plane beneath you, this bug can cause the ship to actually appear on your screen as an inverse of where it is. So if the plane is horizontal, this bug actually makes the ship vertical. So you're like laying down trying to move through the ship and it's jerking you around. Almost like the feeling of when you're sinking or when you're on a boat that is sinking, trying to maneuver as the ship is, you know, tits to the sky, right? Trying to maneuver and you're sliding down and all that stuff. That is a that is a significant bug. Now, after a emergency patch they had, I believe last week, I haven't seen this issue as often. But it was definitely an issue that was getting out of control, um, and I just haven't seen it really since that happened. Not saying it has been completely fixed and is completely out of the game. That I don't know, um, but I can say on streams and on YouTube videos, I've definitely seen it a lot less now. So hopefully they got that taken care of. But it was a pretty nasty bug. Um, that really was just annoying when you were boarding a ship and all of a sudden you were sliding everywhere because, well, you're in the ship. You're like sliding down a ship that, I don't know, the plane of existence was all over the place. It was like freaking, um, what is it, what, crap. Now, I'm a huge Marvel, uh, well, I'm a huge DC comic fan, Marvel movie fan. What is his name? Uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. Like He's one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Doctor Strange, it was like he was playing with the, the, the buildings and stuff and, you know, the Matrixy stuff that he does with all his magicalness. It was like that. Um, so it was kind of crazy, but it seems like they may have resolved that one. Don't know. But in that same emergency um, patch that we saw that being maybe resolved in, there was another one. This impacted just Steam users. And I don't know if I really want to call it a bug. I mean, it was obviously a bug, um, but turned into the ability to exploit something if you were smart enough. Steam users could go into the config files of the game and set their field of view to 120. Now, there were a lot of memes. Falcor posted a couple memes about it, what it looks like and things like that. But think about it in a competitive advantage um, um, mindset. If you're if the normal field of view for the game, which is what I play on, is 90, and that allows you to stand behind the capstan on a sloop, and you can see both ladders by standing behind the capstan on a sloop. Now, that is a 90-degree field of view. Now, imagine if it's 120. So you're adding an additional 30 degrees, right? Well, yeah. What, what, yeah, tw tw additional 30 degrees, so 15 degrees aside, you can now basically see where the sails are, right? You, 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 can, you can almost see all the way to the sails. So you're talking about a huge competitive advantage in a game where if you're good at using the sword and you're good at maneuvering yourself, you can get behind people and beside people in their blind spots, which would be relatively realistic. There's blind spots. If you're standing over here, you know, most people who haven't trained their peripheral vision isn't going to see you over here, right? But if you can now see like a chameleon out the side of your head, you're going to you're gonna see them, and it's a huge competitive advantage. So that has been since resolved, uh, and, and Steam users can no longer, to my knowledge, um, see at 120 uh, field of view, which is which is good because, you know, not everyone can do that. Another Steam, because, you know, Steam is a much better platform. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to actually play Sea of Thieves on Steam, because, again, you have to buy it, and it's not part of the, the Game Pass, um, you know, you have, to, you have to buy the Steam version. It's so much, it's just, it feels so much nicer to play it via the Steam client. However, there are definitely some major issues that, in my opinion, Rare should have taken care of a long time ago. Being that one of them generates the money. Generates the money, which is how any business works. And what a wonderful segue about generating money. I want to talk a moment in our little advertisement section 
about Death Wish Coffee, which is the only coffee that I drink. And some of you out there might say bullshit. I promise you, it's the only coffee that I drink. And there's always links in the show notes um, for you to get 15% off your very first order of Death Wish Coffee. They have K-Cups. They have a dark roast. They have a medium roast. Throughout the seasons, they have seasonal roast. They have a really, like, hard rock metal-looking logo. Very piratey as well with the uh, skull and crossbones. Really amazing uh, merchandise that you can also check out. But 15% off um, using my link. And it does support the show. And by that, I mean, for every so many people who order it, I get free coffee. And since I drink a lot of coffee, free coffee is always wonderful. And though I don't get paid directly from them, getting paid in coffee is all that I ask for. So if you want to check out some really good and certified strongest naturally growing organic coffee in the world, make sure you click on the uh, the link in the show notes and support our wonderful sponsor, Death Wish Coffee, and enjoy a nice cup of Joe today while you're supporting Pirate Talk Radio and me. And I very, very much appreciate it. So back to how rare is missing out on money by this bug, and that is Steam linking to the Emporium. Now, the Emporium, as all of you know, is where you can, it's the cash shop, right? You go and spend your money on ancient coins and use your ancient coins to buy special edition ships or weapons or pirate emotes or whatever you you may want, or pets. If you like pets, you can buy those as well. However, if you're on the Steam version and you walk up and approach the um, the Emporium gentleman and you talk to him and you're like, crap, I don't have enough ancient coins for this new ship set. I need to buy ancient coins. On the Xbox version, you click buy ancient coins and it launches the Xbox purchasing thing and you click, you know, authorize and fill out whatever information you have to. And your ancient coins are deposited. And most games that run through Steam, if you want to buy something when you're in the game, you click it, it launches the Steam store and the Steam wallet, loads up the transaction, and you complete the transaction. Well, Sea of Thieves, since they launched on Steam, to my knowledge, because I've tried it multiple times, this feature has never worked. If you go to the Emporium, on the Steam version... Trying to give Rare your hard-earned money so they can continue to work on this game that we all love. It pulls up a, a, a thing. And it, it, you click Buy Ancient Coins, you select which one you want, and, you, and it pulls up the thing. And it just says Counting Your Coins. And it sits there. And it sits there. And I'm going to fast forward to what it eventually does. It sits there until you get a lazy beard because you've been AFK. You cannot move. You cannot escape out of it. The only option is to sit there unless someone comes up and kills you and you can go to the ferry. I think that might work. I haven't waited long enough for someone to come kill me to, to figure it out. You can alt F4 or control alt delete and crash the game. Or you just sit there until the game eventually kicks you out. It does not work in Steam. In order to buy ancient coins on Steam, and now you can do this with the game open. If you Alt-Tab, you can open Steam and go to the Sea of Thieves store page and buy whatever bundle or ancient coins you want and finish the transaction through Steam. Go back into the game, Alt-Tab back into the game, and your ancient coins will, in a very short amount of time, be deposited. You might have to log out and log back in. Um, like log out of the current server back to the main menu and your ancient coin should be there. But that is a very frustrating and annoying process. And for people who might not have the greatest computer out there, not to mention the next bug we're going to talk about with Steam, control alt delete or not control alt deleting, alt tabbing in the Steam version is very annoying. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the fact that you can't in-game buy ancient coins on the Steam version is very, very annoying. It's very frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. But what, what blows my mind is this game back in June 2020, almost a year ago, launched on Steam. And the Steam version, though it feels better as a player, has so many issues. So many issues. 
just awful issues. And I almost wonder if it's, if it, you know, players who don't have the game pass, right? Players who don't have an Xbox, they just have a PC. How many players has this game, new players, mind you, has this game turned away because of how Steam was so poorly implemented by Rare and Sea of Thieves? How many players have they lost? I don't know, but it's 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 curious. So you can't buy, <clears throat> you can't launch the Steam wallet <clears throat> from within Sea of Thieves. So you can't uh, buy your ancient coins and give Rare money, which they need to, to continue on. <coughs> Apologize. Excuse me. Don't worry, I have my vaccine. It's just a cough that coronavirus, un- uh, unfortunately, once you've had it, continues with you for a long time. The other thing that seems to have disappeared that Steam players have been asking for for, well, since Steam started, was the Steam invite system. The system that we wanted so badly because the game bar, the game thing, sucks. The Xbox app on a PC specifically sucks to invite a player. And we wanted the awesome Steam invite system. Ah, that thing has now disappeared. It's disappeared. So I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. Features that are, will help them, i.e. getting money, the Emporium, broken. Features that make it easier for players to get into the game and play the way you want them to play with their friends is broken. And... The wonderful alt-tab game freeze for Steam players is back. So if you're playing on Steam and you have to alt-tab, you could randomly get frozen for a minute or two. Or less. Sometimes it's like 30 seconds. But I've seen some long freezes. And it's only the Steam version. It's only when you alt-tab on the Steam version. It's absolutely ridiculous. Because these things have been fixed. And now they're broken again. Not the Emporium one. That's never worked. But the invites has been fixed. The alt-tab freezing has been fixed. And now it's all broken again. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. Especially as someone who has worked in the software development business. I would lose my mind if my developers put out a piece of software to fix something that my customer needed fixed. And a few months down the line, that thing's broken again. It's just, I would lose my mind. I've done it before on developers. I've lost my damn mind and they're employees of mine. So as I've said many times, I don't know who's actually running the development show over there. I don't, I doubt it's Joe, right? He's the executive producer. He's producing the game. I don't think it's Mike Chapman. Mike Chapman is, is the, the, um, creative director, but I don't know who the director of development is over there, but I can tell you this, your developers need to be a little bit more vigilant and looking at the code that they're putting in there. And your QA people, people need to do a lot harder work QAing this damn thing. And you as the director of development need to freaking open your eyes and understand that if you want players to come into your game and stay, you need to put a focus on not breaking shit you've already fixed and thus using more of their money and your time to work on that while you've got other things that need addressing. It's just a bad business model. It's a bad business model. And I know the joke always goes around Rare is a small indie company. It's, it's a meme. It's a joke. They're not a small indie company. They used to be maybe a long time ago, but they're not a small indie company. Sea of Thieves is not a small indie game. It is considered a AAA title. But I can tell you this, the way their development staff and team actually put out updates and code and actually work on remedying really bad, long outstanding bugs and exploits. This is not a triple A title. This is like a B movie. It, it, it's, it's absolutely asinine. There are indie companies out there who are able to put together 
a stronger patch that works better and lasts longer than than a Sea of Thieves game who is, is freaking owned by Microsoft. Like, it's ridiculous. Come on. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I hope some of those things get fixed because, like I said, the Steam invite system, it was so awesome when it worked because you didn't have to open that stupid Xbox game bar, which is just an absolute awful piece of garbage. And that's not Rare's fault, right? That's not Rare's fault. That's Microsoft's fault, right? That's Microsoft and Xbox's fault. And this is not a Microsoft Xbox bashing system because that podcast could go on for days of me destroying them. But I I just hope that they really start to look at whoever's running that development team over there and really start to make, and I don't want anyone to lose their jobs, but in some instances, as a business, you have to make business decisions which either help you grow um, and, and, and make money. And right now, the development team, and specifically the leader of the development team, whoever that may be, I don't know who it is, they're failing their customers, and thus they're failing their business, right? They're failing their business. And you can tell they're failing their business, and again, I always pause and, and give this word of warning before I start spewing these statistics. These are public statistics from Steam. Their player bases are always public for their games, but Xbox is not released there, so we do not know what the player base for Xbox is. However... If you're a business person, you understand trends. And if you're seeing a trend, you can pretty much assume in some way, shape, or form that trend is across the board if we're talking about the same entity. So if we're talking about the player base of Sea of Thieves and we see a decline in Steam player base, there is a reasonable assumption that we can say that Xbox player base is declining as well. Maybe not in the same amount, but it's declining as well. It's just basic trends, right? So as we anticipated, when when Season 2 launched, we saw a huge increase in players, right? It still never got back to the original Steam launch number of 66,632 peak players. Um, But it did get back up into the the realm, close to the realm, of season one. So season two, we got up to 46,670. Flip back to season um, one, it was 52,900. So season two actually jumped in player base, but, but it didn't quite make it back up to where season one is, which means Sea of Thieves is hemorrhaging players still. They have not been able to stabilize their player base um, even with these seasons. Now, within a month of Sea of Thieves Season 2, they've already dropped 26% of their Steam player base in one month of Season 2, and I'll tell you why. Now, Season 1, when we saw that, we did see a decrease just like this, 30%, 28%, and then we, we jumped back up. The reason for this is, quite frankly, the seasons are too simple. They're too easy, right? I think the first season, someone completed it in 12 hours. This season, someone completed it, I believe, six hours. It's supposed to be a three-month season. Three-month season that can be completed in six hours? What in the hell? Like, that's not good planning. That's not proper planning. A three-month season that is that is able to be completed in six hours. That is absolutely dumb. Absolutely dumb in every way. What is the purpose, aside from your stupid little events, that are not good, by the way. They haven't been good for some time. What is the purpose of players coming back and playing your game... If they can complete your new, brand new, fangled season pass in six hours. If I do the math, okay? And and I was always told never to do math on stream, but this is a podcast, so I could do math on the podcast, right? That's allowed? 
right? So if we have three months, so we're going to just round and say three months is 90 days, right? 90 days. My num locks off, which does not help when I'm trying to type in the calculator. 90 days, right? Times 24 hours. That's 2,160 hours, which is a three month in hours. Can be done in six hours. So let's minus six hours from that. And we get 2,154 hours. So those players who are completing the season pass in six hours, what do they have to do for the next 2,154 hours? Now, again, they're not going to be playing 24-7, right? <clears throat> but what are they going to do with the rest of their time? They spent maybe a half day of play, maybe even less than a half day of play, depending on how much they play, on your season two. What are they going to do with the other 80, you know, 80, what, 89 and a half days? What are they going to do with that time? I assure you, it's not going to be your events. Because if anyone thinks that the Reapers versus the World event is anything but stupid, you need to open your eyes. It's an absolutely shit show of an event. It's, it's really kind of dumb. Um, it's, it's you doing the exact same thing that you've been doing. And yes, it helps generate the season pass stuff, but like the, what we have the gold hoarders first and you had to do a vault and, and a fort and a, and sail 10 miles. And then you got order of souls. It was like 10 miles and you had to do some skeleton captains. You had to do flame heart twice, which why you only had to do one fort, but two flame hearts didn't make sense to me at all. And now we've got the Merchant Alliance, which I think just started today or yesterday. And you've got to do some trade route stuff, a lost voyage, and you have to kill an Ashen Lord. What does the Ashen Lord have anything to do with the Merchant Alliance, except it drops some of the precious gemstones? And then on the other, it's Reapers versus the world. What, so is the, is the world side trying to generate you going out as an emissary and you trying to get these events done and the Reapers are supposed to come after you? Is that what it's, is that, is that how this event's supposed to work? And then that's supposed to encourage PVP because you have to turn in certain amount of flags in order to get the title at the end for turning in so many flags? Is, is that how it's supposed to work? Because in my mind, in my mind and how in my experience it's been is that as a Reaper, I'm just going out as I've always done. As I've always done, I'm just going out and I am going after any emissary. So in my opinion, the revamp of the emissary system is actually better for Reapers versus the, the world. The, the idea of Reapers going out and getting flags and one of the, the trading company who has the most stuff turned in, the, their most flags turned in is disgraced and you get some hat for that. I think that that would be the, the, the emissary revamps better. This Reapers versus the world event where you've got stuff to do for order of souls. And it's, it's stupid. It's dumb. It's not encouraging anything. The emissary ledger changeover with the new emissary rewards. That, that was good. It was a year late from what they said their normal, you know, cycle would be for this. It was a year late. But at least it's happened. And that to me has encouraged more interesting player interactions in, in PVP than this dumb do a couple events, sail a couple miles. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do for 80 and a half more days if this season pass can be done? And see, I was out. I was out away from the game for almost most most of the first month of the season because of this show. More like the second month of the season. Like the half of the further. And I've already got the season pass done. It was absolutely ridiculous how fast the season pass went. And their player base shows it. A lot of players came in, not as much for season one, but a lot of players came in. They gained 7,924, almost 25 players. For season two. And they've lost more than half of them. They've lost more than half they gained. 
and their player base is down 26%. Because they keep developing content, and they say how long it's supposed to last, and it doesn't even come close. It doesn't even come close. And again, in, 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 in episode one of the podcast, um, they specifically said that a lot of the player feedback and the changes to the season system is not going to come until until season three and season four. But I'll tell you this, we've got about five weeks left in season two, and my eyes are are on the rare development staff. I want to see what changes they're going to Im- implement in season three and season four. Because if I still see a quick season and shitty-ass events, stop stop with the PR and stop with blowing smoke up our ass and just tell us. We are here to keep the game living as long as it's making money and however we want to, including shitty events that we think are fun that you don't like, right? And short seasons, which you can log in, you can do in a couple hours, and you never have to touch our game again. Just buy the season pass, please. <laughs> Give us money, right? But I, I hope they make some major changes. Because season one, it felt lackluster to me. And season two feels lackluster and empty to me. Not even the rewards were good. Not even the rewards were good. There was there was the hull. There was the Dark Phoenix stuff. And there was the sword. And that's, that's really it. The clothing, some people like the clothing. But in general... The rewards were garbage. I thought they they went they went down in quality of rewards from season one to season two. I think the overall value of the battle pass or the plunder pass went down from season one to season two. And now that we know how much the Dark Warsmith weapon set is, I personally think the value of the, the plunder pass in season one was shit. Just my opinion. I mean, I already own all the ships in the Emporium that they've released since I've played in the past two years. I own them all. So for me, looking at a $10 plunder pass and last last season with that plunder pass, I got $5. That's what I got. The, the price of the Dark Warsmith stuff. $5 is what I got in value back. I paid $10 and I got $5 back in value. It's not a good deal. Season two, season two, I don't even know if I bought the Plunder Pass. I can't remember, to be honest. But I was doing the math on the the rewards I get back. I had everything, just about everything, I think. Now, all the ship stuff and that that stuff, obviously you get the the ship hull at the end. So I probably did buy it because I wanted those exclusive things. But my guess is that ship cosmetic is going to come into the game. And it's, it's just going to be something cheap. And I'm going to get like maybe two, three, maybe seven, $10. I, I'm definitely not going to get $10 of value out of it, but I paid them $10. If I'm paying you $10, then I should be getting $10 ver- worth of value out of it. It shouldn't be, well, if you don't have any of this stuff, it is $10 worth of value. No, that's not how it works. If I, as someone... If I, as someone who's played since day one and bought everything there is out of the Emporium since this game launched, and I'm paying $10 for the Plunder Pass, I should be getting $10 worth of value out of it. Not, well, here's some stuff that have been in the Emporium for new players that haven't had the opportunity to get it. No, 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 no. If I've been playing since day one and have everything... I should be getting new stuff, so my $10 is worth $10. It's pretty sad that they, that that giving them $10, you're not getting $10 worth of value out, back out of it. It's it's just it's bad business. It's bad business. So we didn't get to talk about the Sea of Thieves uh podcast, and that's fine. Um we're we're getting on to the hour of this episode, which is usually where I like to to cut it off anyways. So I've got my notes down here. Um, for, for the Sea of Thieves, uh, the, the, the Sea of Thieves podcast, their official podcast. And we'll talk about these on, on the, on the next episode. I, so I apologize if you were waiting for me to rant about these things, but I, I, I got off on a, a few little tangents, which I know some of you enjoy, um, on, on other things, my other notes that I put down. So on episode 32 next week, we'll talk about the official Sea of po- Thieves 
podcast episode two, and there were a lot of good points in there. So I'd strongly encourage you to go over to the Sea of Thieves YouTube channel and check out the episode two of the Sea of Thieves official podcast and, and just have a listen to it. It's about an hour long, just like this podcast. <clears throat> but next week we'll talk about it and I'll break down some of the things that I got out of that podcast when I was listening to it. Um, they kept a lot of stuff in mystery as they normally do, but they did kind of give an insight about a lot of things, especially, I know there's several people who listen to this show from, um, Alliance servers. They had a very interesting thing to say about Alliance servers and how they're watching them. Um, so it's a very good listen, but if you don't want to listen to their podcast and you want to wait till next week and I'll go over what I felt was the highlights, I would appreciate that as well. Um, but guys, thank you very much as always for listening. I appreciate again, your patience for the past couple weeks as I have not been around, um, to release these, but I am back now with no foreseeable, uh, breaks in the schedule anytime soon. So streaming is going to be starting back up. YouTube videos are going to be starting back up. Pirate talk radio podcast will be out weekly. So lots of content coming from me. Obviously, most of it going to the YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, go over and check out my YouTube, Davram TV um, on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, notification bell. If you are someone who enjoys this podcast and knows someone else who who enjoys podcasts or you think they would enjoy this podcast, please let them know that I'm on all major podcasting apps and on Davram TV on the YouTube. Also, if you would like to go above and beyond and support me more so than just listening, which... For those of you out there who support me just through listening, thank you very much. That means everything to me. But if you would like to go above and beyond, you can absolutely go that way and go on to patreon.com slash TV. And there's a variety of different patron levels that you can subscribe to monthly and support this show and the rest of my content. And some of them even have really cool rewards, including Christmas cards for me and t-shirts. So guys, thank you very much. I hope you're having a good time out there. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio.